Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. As always, this is a show about stock market investing. It's a Saturday, so thanks for joining me um, on your Saturday morning. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research, which um, centers around what we call quantumental investing. It's the combination of quantitative execution combined with a fundamental foundation. That's the information edge I share with you every weekend. This is the week in review. We're going to go over the stock market, talk about what we were doing on the Armour trading desk, what we think is going to happen next week. How are we generating alpha in this market? That's what we're going to be discussing. I'll get the questions at the end. If you guys have any thoughts, any questions, you can load up the chat board, the message board here, and I'll go through it at the end. Um, of course, if you appreciate and enjoy this conversation, give me a thumbs up. I appreciate that. You guys can subscribe right down here to this channel or the Armour Report. ArmourReport.com is a deeper dive into what we talk about every day on this show. ArmourReport.com. We're going to talk about market direction, precious metals, cannabis today. We're going to have the cannabis couch. So I look forward to that chat, something we haven't had in a while. Um. Before I jump in, let me remind you, all of this information I'm sharing with you is information I use on my own trading desk to manage my own capital, okay? And I use the information to manage capital for investors through our interactive brokers relationship. So I'm not telling you guys what to do. I don't know you specifically, so I couldn't give you that advice. If you want more um, hands-on personal information and advice, to become an Armour Insider, which is a subscriber, and we could talk one-on-one. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm just going to share with you how we're managing money and how we're creating alpha, and hopefully you can learn from my mistakes and my successes and help grow your own asset base. I will share with you today the number one way that we build net worth over a 12-month period. One way. One very simple way. Whoops. I'm so excited about it. I'm knocking down the microphone. I'm going to share it with you. Um, Let's jump into the week in review. Step one, stock market. Let's take a look at the chart. All right, that's the S&P. And as you can see, the Armour Report, we have what we call a risk monitor. It's a simple red, green, and yellow light. The risk monitor right now is yellow. It's green. When it turns green, it means all seven indexes that we follow. We have algorithms written for each index. When all seven are telling us to get long the market at the same time, that's the green signal for you, the investor, to put capital to work. That signal is open for five days from the first day of that confluence event. That was the 29th. So for five days, we were putting capital to work in armor portfolios. The more you learn about this 
strategy, the more you execute the armor investing way, the better you'll be at building your portfolio day one and day two of that risk on green risk monitor signal. Okay. You want to put most of your capital to work day one and day two, and then you want to fill out the portfolio day three, four, and five, and then you're done. No more capital after that. All you do is manage success at that point. And that's what the yellow risk monitor means. It means you can sell something, book a profit, and use that cash to buy something new, but you don't commit new dollars or more dollars, okay? Our job is to buy weakness in the midst of strength. Take a look at that. So we bought weakness. The market had sold off, okay? We bought the weakness in the uptrending strength. We put positions to work. Our net worth is reaching uh, um, new highs for the year now. Okay, and this is just the S&P we're looking at on a daily chart. But it was a crazy week last week. Now, those of you who are Armor Insiders are on the desk with me every day. We have the Armor Slack trading, um, uh, trading desk where we share information all day long. And you guys know in the morning Monday when the market gapped up, I was telling you I hate gap up Mondays. I hate it. I like gap down Mondays. You know, I like quiet Mondays. Gap up Mondays usually lead to sell-offs. And boy, did that happen. And it happened at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So it looked like the market was fine all day. Then the market just imploded for two hours to the close. Then the rest of the week, the market kind of worked off that panic selling. And we closed higher on Friday. I love that action. Weakness early in the week, close higher at the end of the week. That's classic bull market activity and specifically classic mechanical bull market activity, which is the market we're in right now. For those of you who don't know what that means or it might be new, mechanical bull market, okay? I coined that phrase because what I was trying to say is this is not your dad's bull market. It's not based on economic cycles and valuations and all the things you're used to. It's based on Fed intervention. The Fed adds liquidity, the market goes higher. Everything else is noise. Everything else is a waste of time. Everything else is trying to get you off the bus. You don't fight the Fed, and the trend is your friend. As long as those things are intact, we're looking long the market. And we'll continue to look long. I don't care what your fears are. I have the same fears you have. Market climbs a wall of worry, right? All the way up to the point where you're not afraid, and no one else is afraid, and everyone thinks the market's going higher, and that's when I get afraid, <laughs> Okay. But right now, I don't have that problem. So we have a trend intact that's going up. We have the Fed adding liquidity. If you're not sure what I'm talking about or you might wish to disagree with me, then this is my only mic-dropping moment for you. Okay? Take a look at the corporate bond market. The Fed is buying bonds. This green box down here is the day the Fed said they're buying corporate bonds, high grade, and they're literally buying this ETF. I've never seen this before in history, where the Fed is literally buying a stock. This particular stock is backed by corporate bonds. You want to know why the market's going higher? Because the corporate bond market is in a melt-up phase. This is melt-up for bonds, guys. Bonds don't usually do this. Just walking straight up with almost no volatility. Even on the big down day in equities on Monday, it was not even a wiggle on corporate bonds. And now we can look at high yield debt, which follows equity a little bit closer. Same thing. 
the Monday sell-off was nothing. It didn't even wiggle the high-yield market. And instead, high-yield closes the week above the 200-day moving average now. So if you're watching this show, trying to figure out what's the market going to do next, the first thing I say is I don't predict the market. It might sound like I am, but I'm not. I don't know what's going to happen next. Okay? And we read and react on our Slack trading desk all week. If we have to raise cash, protect profits, protect principal, we do it. Okay? I don't fall in love with my opinion. The market doesn't care about my opinion. Okay? So all I can do is get you on the right side of probability and statistics every single week and tell you, look at what's happening. This is what, should, what it should mean. Here's how we're pre prepared. But if it changes, we raise cash. Okay? So looking at these pictures, you can see why the market's going up. Um, but I do find this interesting. We get these this bull market seems to be self-correcting. It's a self-correcting mechanical bull market. It seems like, when I say self-correcting, there's no reason for the reversal and the collapse on Monday. There's no piece of news that comes out. Everyone likes to pretend on CNBC that they know what the news was. And I'm telling you, all that news was the same, you know, an hour or two before the market collapsed. I mean, it's got nothing to do with news events. So what I submit to you is that we've got a market that if, if you all know the movie Hunt for Red October, there's a scene in that movie where it's called the crazy Ivan, right? The, and I'm telling you, the market just does a crazy Ivan. Just for no apparent reason, the high frequency trading, stop hunting algos, turn around and run the market down so they can take your shares away, right? And then the whole thing's over in a couple hours the market starts to grind higher. That's the hoof print of a mechanical bull market. Okay? So there's ways to deal with that. We can try to hedge, and we do that on our Slack trading desk all day long. We're in there looking to see if we need to hedge. Some days we get it right, some days we don't. A lot of days we're getting it right, which means we're making money short in the market, and then we're making money long by the end of the day. In the morning, we're making money short. Then the market's higher by the end of the day. We have a one or two hour window to capture short profits. We book them. Market charges higher. We're making money on our whole portfolio. Okay? Um, it's been like that since the bottom in March, where we have these crazy Ivan days, and the market just rips lower for no reason, and then it's all over, and the market charges higher again because of the bond market. Okay? So... You know, I like to, I, there's a book out there I think you all should read. It's a great book written by the old CEO of Intel, Andy Grove, called um, Only the Paranoid Survive. It's a great book about business in general, but it really applies to the market. So we've got long positions, big long positions in armor portfolios, right? We have new highs in our portfolio for the year, and only the paranoid survive. So I feel like during the week we spend time all day looking for do we need to be hedged do we have to hedge for the two-hour collapse? Now, not everybody has to do that. If you're content and comfortable to deal with the volatility, you don't have to hedge. I do it because a lot of the times my personal account, I'm on margin. So it forces me to hedge. If I had a certain cash balance, let's say I was 70 80% invested, the rest was cash, I wouldn't bother hedging at all. I just let this play out. 
reduce my amount of trading. I'm a longer term investor, let's say, and I'm not trying to trade. You don't have to hedge. Okay. What would get me off of this market? If the uptrend fails, if we get three down days in a row, this is important. Two counter trend moves means nothing to the big trend. So in an uptrend, the market can go down for a couple days and it really means nothing. It hasn't changed the trend at all. It's just normal volatility. Same thing with a downtrend. Market could be cratering and have two big up days and then it collapses again. So that's a very serious uh, a technical analysis rule. You guys can look it up, read about it. It works, right? So I'm looking for three days in a row, which we don't seem to get. I'm looking for a break of the uptrend, which we're not getting. And then I'm looking to the leadership to see what's happening out there. And I see bond market continue to go higher. And then here's the thing about the market at the end of the week that really I thought was compelling. It's possible we're shifting to a different type of mechanical bull market that's lots of fun for the bulls. It's possible. And that is a reduction in volatility. Now, for those of us day trading, for those of us hedging and having fun, making money short in the morning, blah, 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 um, that, those op, that opportunity window may be closing. If you look at the trading on Thursday and Friday, the market traded around its opening range all day. So it was a higher open, traded around the range. Or lower open, ran up in the first 15 minutes, then traded around that range all day and grinds higher into the close. That's a death sentence for short sellers, okay? That will grind them under. They won't be able to stand that, and eventually they'll have to start covering, okay? So I've seen that type of market in the past where volatility collapses. So let's take a look at this chart, okay? This is a chart of VIX by looking at the ETF VXX. It closed below the 200-day exponential moving average. Okay, here is a bottom right here in early June. If it takes out that low, what we're seeing is a reduction in volatility. And if VIX makes it back down into this range down here where it was, you know, in, in January and February, okay, what you'll be getting as this moves down here, if that, if, if that happens, you'll be getting more days like Thursday and Friday, which is to say there's an opening range, a trading around the range, not much movement, alpha generating machine, because there'll be specific sectors or stocks that are blowing out that are driving your performance in your portfolio, and you won't have to worry about hedging so much. This also means for day traders and hedgers, we might have to reduce what we're doing because in a market like that, we'll just get chopped up constantly. You'll put on shorts. The market won't go down. You'll cover for a loss. It, it just, there won't be a lot of action. So it's going to be hard to see if, what we have to do next week. It's going to be very important to, to watch VIX and see how the market's behaving. Because if we start to see more and more days like Thursday and Friday, that's very bullish but also means I reduce my day trading activity. I reduce my hedging activity. Okay. Um, how did we build alpha this week? Okay. Number one, the number one way we build alpha 
and we've been building alpha since the lows in March, is our, um, our positions in precious metals. They continue to lead this week, and I'm going to get to precious metals in a minute. I'm just going to break down for you some thoughts about what happened last week and what that could mean for next week. But I also want to rip through a couple of charts for you so you guys can see where we're at in the armor portfolios. IBB is a big um, part of our portfolio. We are long the biotech stocks. If you take a look at this chart on a weekly level, biotechs made a closing all-time high. Right? A new closing all-time high in biotechs. It's beautiful. It's a major uptrend in biotechs. We're focused there. Our favorite name is Illumina, which has also uh, had a new closing all-time high. Okay, now again, don't forget, guys, I'm not telling you what to buy. We already own these things, okay? As an Armour Insider, you know that. You already have these stocks in your portfolio. You're already making money. But I'm just sharing with you how we're building alpha. We're doing it in the right sectors and the right groups, okay? But I'm also going to share with you in a minute we're going to hop over to the cannabis couch because we're going at that trade again, and I'm going to show you how we're doing it. So um, let's just jump over real quick to um, other moves we did last week that I think are important. We shifted some capital out of the uh, growth stocks, disruptive growth stocks, and into the more value-oriented stocks. Take a look at this index. Okay. IWM really led last week. So the small cap index, which was suffering the week before and looked like a possible breakdown, gapped up above the 200-day and led the indexes. QQQ had a bit of an off week, right? Big reversal on Monday, closed a little bit lower. Now, that's okay. It was totally out of whack, going straight up. But take a look at the value index. Okay, we'll take a look at the value index. Let's see if we can get this thing to show up. Here it is, okay? So value looks like small cap, and the value's made a double bottom and broke out back above the 50-day moving average, okay? And if we just take a look at disruptive growth, like the IBD 50, you'll see that had a down week. So what that did to our portfolio is we just naturally shifted some money. Some of our positions we had on, we took profits in, they hit stops, we rotated capital, into um, cannabis names, 5G names. Um, here's another name we added to the portfolio this week. Okay, Home Depot, right, which is a Dow stock that's in the process of breaking out. Take a look at this chart here. Right, look at, the, look, look at Home Depot. That's one massive cup and handle. It's a weird cup and handle because of the crash, but that's what it is. And it just broke out last week. So there are all kinds of Dow-type value stocks that are breaking out now. And so we just naturally shift. The Armour Investing way is to use trailed stops on the way up, make as much money as you can, okay? And then when it, when it hits a trailed stop, book those profits, rotate, to, ro rotate into new breakouts, right? But we buy weakness in the midst of strength. So as another example of what we're going after, you know, adding shares of Xilinx, right? So look at this. The, the strength is the uptrend over a long period of time. The weakness is the last, you know, 
four or five months, and we're buying it right in here as it breaks above the 50-day moving average. So we're rotating money out of Netflix, okay? We booked some profits before earnings. We decided to take the rest of the position out at the end of the day, booking a profit. We owned it at 417, okay? We had a better than a 20% return on the position, and we rotate that stock into something that's just coming off the bottom here, right? Weakness in the midst of strength. Okay, that's how you build alpha. Now, let's talk real quick. A um, couple of points I want to make about precious metals. And let's take a look at um, silver. Well, let's start with gold. Okay, so gold blew out from a new high. GDX, the gold stocks blowing out to a new high since we've owned them. We started buying them right in here this week right here, the week of the 27th and the week of April 3rd, right? That's when we started buying all of our metal stocks. This is how we created alpha this year. And we continue to be committed to the space as it blows out. But the real interesting play here looks like silver. I like to look at the monthly chart of silver. And I say, is it about to begin? It hasn't even started yet. And we're making a lot of money. We bought it down here and it's just now breaking out. And so I say to you, this is an important uh, note to make. I've talked about this the other day. I'm going to talk about it real quick. The mining stocks lead the metal price. It's always been like that. Okay. Equity investors are very sensitive to future moves in underlying commodity prices. And so you'll see the equity stocks run first and the commodity catches up. So just take a look at these two charts and you make your own decisions on what you think is about to happen to the price of silver. Don't take it from me. Just make your own decision. This is the monthly chart of silver. Now we're going to look at the institutional pure silver play. These are the guys that institutions love the most when it comes to buying silver. That's the monthly chart of Pan American silver. Now, again, I'm not telling you to run out and buy it, okay? We bought the stock on April 22nd. At $20.61, the stock's 34 and change. That's not my, my point is not to tell you run out and buy Pan American silver. My point is to say, it looks like we're about to get a serious breakout in silver itself. Let's talk about the fundamentals for a minute, why this is happening. It's three reasons, three reasons I can see of why this is happening. The first reason has to be the pandemic, the pandemic occurred and it showed everybody in the commodity market, the commodity world, anybody following the precious metals, that the emperor is not wearing clothes. Now, we've known this for a couple decades, certainly the last decade. We've known this, that bullion banks, the cabal of bullion banks, have been manipulating the price and keeping it suppressed with a whole bunch Rehypothecated paper futures that can't possibly be delivered on. They've rehypothecated and rehypothecated and rehypothecated the same bar of gold and silver. And so that now you have 10 times the amount of paper for each bar. That's been going on for a decade, and maybe 10 is too small. Some people tell me it's 100 times. I mean, I don't know. But let's just say it's an enormous amount. There's an enormous amount of paper that can't possibly be delivered on. 
Why that was allowed to happen, who knows, right? J.P. Morgan's under a federal indictment for criminal charges over manipulating the silver market. Look it up. Last year it started. You're probably going to see some announcements about that next couple of months. So the pandemic led to this, this moment where everyone realized, oh, my God, the emperor's naked. And it happened because supply, the supply chain collapsed. So it was, it was very um, barely held in an equilibrium with this ridiculous amount of paper versus physical. And then everyone discovered there's no physical because the supply chain collapsed. And then everyone realized, wow, there's no physical for this paper. How is there any physical for the you know, exponential amount of paper? Okay, and that's what started the short squeeze. Okay, along with that, you have an increase in demand, demand from the fear of the pandemic, demand from the fear of the central bank response, which is to create an unlimited amount of paper, fiat currency to bail out world economies. That can't possibly be good for somebody's retirement assets, somebody's investment assets. At some point that comes home to roost. And so how do you, how do you protect against the devaluation of your currency? Well, you buy gold and silver. That's how. So supply and demand equation went completely haywire in, in the direction of bulls. And everyone realized the emperor is not wearing clothes. Now, here's an interesting fact. The cabal of bullion banks looks like it's starting to break up. Goldman Sachs is net long physical gold for their own book. Meanwhile, JP Morgan and Citi are still net short. Haven't seen that in a decade. Okay? So you're starting to see cracks in the cabal. Who's going to jump first and start covering their short? We don't know. We don't know when it's going to happen. Okay? But all these things are coming into play. Now let's talk about silver real quick. This is interesting. I keep telling you there's a short squeeze coming in silver. How do I know this? Why do I think this? Well, it has to do with the exchange for physical contract, the EFP contract. It's dead right now. It looks dead. It's not functioning correctly. We see this because the July delivery month of silver, this is the delivery month for silver. So at the end of July, if you own that contract, you expect delivery from the person who sold you the contract of physical silver. There's a spot market. What generally happens in the delivery month is that the future contract is shorted and the spot is bought and it collapses the spread to mere pennies until it goes completely uh, expires. Okay. Instead, right now we have a 38 cent spread. It's unprecedented all month. The only reason for that is that people don't believe they'll get delivery on their spot, right? It's called risk arbitrage and the risk is too great to put the trade on because they can't, they don't believe they'll get the delivery of the bars to deliver into the future contract when it expires. Okay? 
It's going to be very interesting to see what happens come July 31st. Where is the price of silver? It's our belief that there are, there's too much physical demand and no way to supply it. I don't know how it's going to be resolved. Now, the bullion banks are like a wounded animal in a corner. So who knows what they'll come up with that could wreck the price of silver? It could happen. I don't know. But we inch closer and closer and closer to what we think is a real breakout in silver. The price to watch on the futures contract is probably somewhere above 20, 20 and, 20 and a quarter maybe. It takes out that price and you could see a quick move higher. The price to watch on gold looks like 18, I think it's 18 and a quarter, 1825. We take out that price, we could see a move higher. Okay. So anyway, that's where we are in the metals continues to add alpha for us. Let's hop in and finish up with the cannabis couch, and then you guys can ask questions if you'd like. Um, all right. Let's look, at, um, let's look at cannabis stocks. Here's my thought. First of all, let me, let me start by saying this. The Armour Report, Armour Portfolios, Armour Insiders, and myself, have made money trading the cannabis stocks this year, okay? So we've earned the right to take the risk again. I like to earn the right to take risk. It's not a hard decision for me to put capital out again into the cannabis stocks because we've earned that right. Now let's take a look at the charts. That's a monthly chart of CGC, but I want to start with the daily chart of CGC. Okay, back here, we bought on the 15th of May, Canopy Growth. It ran up into earnings. We booked about 30% of our profits before the earnings announcement, and we took out the rest of the position when they totally missed the number, and it was a disastrous quarter. But look what the stock has done since that date. It's flatlined at higher levels than when we originally bought before the terrible announcement. What that means to you, what it means to me, and what I think it should mean to you, is that all the bad news is in these stocks. I mean, it's in. If that quarter can't push the stock to new lows, I don't know what will. And instead, I see the back half of this year as a bump up for these companies. Now, obviously, if I'm wrong, stocks will go lower, okay? But Canopy continues as a company to trim its personnel and to bring its business in line to be cash flow positive. If they can deliver on that goal, how could the stock go lower? They just had a terrible quarter and the stock didn't go lower. So if they just execute and they have good new management, from Constellation Brands to execute. So it's just an execution question for them. I'm willing to take that risk again. Okay? Now let's take a look at, um, let's take a look at my personal favorite, APHA, Afria. Afria is leading all of the big cap Canadian names. And the reason is simple. Afria has three times the inventory turn of its nearest competitor. That just tells you how good the management team is. They figured out early 
that they needed to price their product as cheap as possible to take on not only their competitors, but also the black market and dominate the niche in a quality flower at a cheap price. They've done it and they're able to turn their inventory because of it. That's why that stock is performing better than the others. Okay. I believe it'll be a leader if this, if we, if we see the back half of this year growth in the sector that we think we're going to see, I think it's going to be a leader. And so we're willing to put that capital back to work. As you can see, it's trading above the 200-day moving average now. Also, notice these patterns. These are all Fibonacci uh, speed resistance fans. Okay? The theory behind this um, uh, Fibonacci speed resistance fan is that when you break the third resistance line, which is this green line, it suggests a new trend is underway. Now, that trend could be sideways action for the next six months, for all we know. It doesn't have to be an uptrend. It just suggests that the downtrend is over. When you look at CDC, it's the same process. And then, of course, the third position that we follow and we own is Kronos. It's three times the charm. One, two, three. There it is. Okay. They have the capital infusion, of course, from Altria. This brings up the third. I don't like what they're doing. The company seems not to be able to get their act together. But they've got so much cash in the balance sheet. And the relationship with Altria, it forces me to make sure I have a, a bit of this position on as well. So those are the top three names I'm willing to trade. Now, I can hear you guys asking me right now, why am I not long U.S. cannabis? Um, and I don't want to stop you from doing it. Feel free to do it. A um, couple of thoughts. Number one, if we ever get a hemp CBD ruling from the FDA, these Canadian stocks will do well along with the U.S. guys. Number two, in a, in a market that's already illiquid, I don't like to buy the Canadian Stock Exchange or pink sheet stocks. I'm just managing too much capital, and I don't like to feel trapped in a volume vacuum when the market collapses. I just can't sleep at night like that, okay? So I avoid them. If I was running an account that, that where, where I didn't have a, you know, as many shares as I would have to position as a, as a manager of a, a number of accounts, maybe I would own a couple of them. Okay, so feel free to do that. I mean, at some point in here, we're going to get legislation. Um, and I think an Armour Insider, Erez, just put up a great um, piece into the Armour Slack, uh, Slack room this morning about the New Jersey governor talking about how, you know, legalizing cannabis has to be a no-brainer in the midst of a pandemic. It'll create jobs and all these other things that we know is great about the cannabis space. Um, I love that story. I'll be shocked if any of that type of legislation happens this year. There's just too much going on through November 4th and then after November 4th. I just don't believe anything like that's going to happen. Okay? But I'd be happily surprised if it is. The way we're playing it, you guys already know this probably. So, again, I'm not telling you to buy the stock. We already own it at $3.50. Okay? This is not me trying to pump the stock up. Stock's already over 7 all right, but we own Grow Generation, and we feel that's a decent way to get some exposure to the U.S. cannabis market. And here's a picture of that chart. Okay, company priced the secondary at $5.60. So this is the first time that this company now has institutional sponsorship. Oppenheimer was the company that did the deal. That's a quality uh, investment bank. 
Of course, last week they put a buy recommendation on the stock with a $15 price target. I love it. Not surprised. I mean, that's what investment banks do. They get, they, you know, they get paid to do it. Um, but I love that $15 number. Okay, we're in the stock right here. We bought it on this day, April 8th, $3.51. Okay, and we've been adding to it up here. We have been adding to it up here. Okay, but we've earned the right to take that risk. So please, guys, you got to look at your own portfolio and determine what to do on that. Okay, so anyway, there's no specific reason why I think this is the week to own cannabis. But I will say that cannabis stocks tend to, to, to go higher with the small cap index and the value index. When value and small cap go up, these names go up. Last week, what looked like a very good week for small cap and value. If that continues, I think that'll drag these stocks up. I also look at the, the um, options market on these names, and I go out to the leaps of 2022, and they're just ridiculously cheap. That just tells me there's no speculation in these names at this point. And that's when I start to get interested in buying something. Okay. So that's it for today. I hope this has been helpful for you. Again, thumbs up. If you like this conversation, I appreciate it. Now let's get to the question and answer session and let's rapid fire some thoughts here. Um, Jason, 30% LQD since March. Yeah, it's insane, Jason. It's insane. LQD is running. And it leads the market. So we just have to follow that, um, that aspect. And, and, and if we see a breakdown there, then we know we got an issue. What do you think about the stock CLSK, Ben B? CLSK. Provides energy software and control technology solutions for distributed energy resources. I don't know anything about CleanSpark, and so I'm going to have to do a little research on that. I will tell you that I generally stay away from micro-cap stocks. And so, you know, it's, this is like a tiniest of all tiny stocks. So I know you guys love to trade those names, and I'm, I'm happy to have you do it. But for my whiteboard, for the Armour whiteboard, I, I just won't ever put a micro-cap on there. Number one, I'm managing too much capital. So... If I were to run out and buy it, I'd push the stock up too much. And I don't like, I don't like to do that. Um, and, and number two, I like liquidity. Armor Report is about algorithmic risk management. And I can't manage risk if there's not enough liquidity. And so I don't, I don't play in those names. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Tech Monkey. How are you? Any thoughts on Cloudera? Rumors that IBM might buy them. Yeah, I've heard those rumors a lot. And I've done a lot of work on Cloud Era, to be honest with you. I always think I want to own it because of that name, right? It's a cloud stock, Cloud Era. Um, management team has just been so lousy, and and they've just it's just never been right. You know, I've looked at it multiple times. Maybe I'll look at it again, but I'll tell you this, Tech Monkey. Um, I don't buy stocks because they might be acquired. That's just not a reason. I don't even put a stock on a whiteboard because of that. But that rumor could be circulated by short sellers for all I know. Why would they do that? Because they want to get short off. 
right? So they, oh, it might be this, might be this. Stock goes up a little bit and they put out shorts and the stock craters. You never know what's going on, you know, when it comes to rumors. You don't know who's axed out there. To, how about this? How about somebody who already owns the stock big and they can't wait to sell it? And so they put that rumor out. IBM's going to get it, right? Stock runs up, they dump, and then Cloudera has a terrible earnings announcement to stock craters. I've seen that happen millions of times. So if you want to own Cloudera because of the fundamentals of the business, then go ahead and put that on your whiteboard. But don't just do it because it might be acquired. All right, uh, Jasmine, let's say the silvery short squeeze happens. Will that last one day or a period of days? Um, you know, short squeezes can last, you know, y y there's no way to answer that question, okay? But suffice it to say, it won't be one day. It, it, short squeezes happen, you know, it, it's impossible to say how long they happen. It's, it, it, it grinds and grinds and grinds higher and higher and higher until the shorts can't stand it, and then it rockets higher, and you could get a three- or four-week move, and then the whole thing is over. You know, in fact, let's take a look at that chart. Let's go look at silver for a minute. And the last time it skyrocketed. Let's see how many weeks it took. Wait a minute. Let's go back and look at the monthly chart. Okay, there. Okay, look back here. So the last time the price took out 20, which was back here in 2010, which is no surprise, that was the time the Fed started quantitative easing. QE just got started. And look what happened. One month, two months, three months, four months, five, six, seven, eight months. And you could see that short squeeze exploded in the last month. But it was going on that whole time. That was an eight-month move. Now, I, I neglected to show you this chart, but I really wanted to show you this chart. Take a look at the U.S. dollar. Maybe I lost my train of thought when I said there was three reasons why precious metals are going up. And one of the reasons here is the U.S. dollar. Okay? This looks to me like a bit of a head and shoulders that's formed on the U.S. dollar. And if this neckline breaks, you, you've got a major problem in the U.S. dollar. Look at the uptrend. Look at the uptrend the dollar has been in the last few years. And then look at that top that's just formed. So does the breakout... Something like that, right? Right there, right? Does the breakout and short squeeze in silver and the and the short squeeze in gold, does that really get underway when the US dollar implodes? Maybe it does. I don't know if this is the right figure. I'm not sure UUP ever traded down here. That could have just been a market crash that wasn't that's like an anomaly to me. I don't I wouldn't count that. And I quite frankly wouldn't count these these trades up here either. That was an anomaly of a short of a market crash and all kinds of crazy uh, uh, margin calls. So you got to kind of take this off your screen and just look at the chart that's forming. A break below this level. What level is that? Right here. That's a low of 20, 25.88 on UUP. If it takes out that level, you got a real problem on your hands, which is really bullish. For precious metals. Okay. Um, how about AZN stock? Boy, AZN had a real nice run there, right? 
Holy smokes, look at that chart. Gosh, I should be on it. And I asked the question, should we be buying, you know, the big cap, um, the big cap pharmaceutical stocks? Or do we look at that breakout? Holy smokes. If you're on that, well done, brother. Well done. You know, that looks phenomenal. But what we're trading right now on our desk is IBB. I mean, I think that pharmaceuticals and biotechs are running together. And so um, I'll tell you what. I mean, guys, I have a real interest in looking at that chart again. Does anybody else look at that chart and, and lick, their, uh, lick their lips a little bit? I mean, that's Gilead. Look at Gilead. You know, they call it a biotech, but it's a pharmaceutical. It's a biotech. If that inhalable remdesivir ends up being a real product, that stock should go ballistic. It's a gamble. I don't know if it's going to happen. That chart looks right, it looks right and the biotechs are breaking out to all-time highs, and the pharmaceuticals are running, and Johnson & Johnson had a good earnings announcement. Boy, that looks like a good place to have capital. Any thoughts on Marathon Petroleum? Phil, I'm just staying away from all energy right now. And I just chalk that up as an opportunity cost of money. I just find other places I'd rather go than Marathon Oil or, or any of those names. Um, I'll just share the chart with you real quick so you can see what I'm looking at. MRO is the symbol you're asking me about. So just take a, take a look again. If you want to see a chart that I like, there's a chart that I like, right? Gilead Sciences, real tight base, right around the 50-day moving average, right at the uptrend line. So we're buying weakness in the midst of strength. It hasn't broken out yet. That's what I'm looking for. Now let's look at MRO. I just, I don't see anything compelling about that chart. The whole market's going up. We're creating alpha in all of our portfolios, you know, and, and we've avoided energy the whole way because there's just no alpha in energy right now. Um, Oracle stock, Jasmine, Oracle, O-R-C-L. Uh, better places for me to put capital is my opinion there. The chart doesn't look bad, but I just... I just find better places to put capital than Oracle. Hi, Brett. Quail Hollow, how are you? Um, is MAG a good choice for silver? <laughs> are you cracking, Foxy? Are you messing with me? I mean, MAG's one of our favorite positions, right? In all fairness, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure there's a better, you know, small cap small to mid cap silver play than Mac, but um, please be clear. And here's the chart. Okay. We own this stock at $7 and 84 cents armor insiders. We put this into our armor portfolios on April uh, 6th. Okay. And we might've added to it a couple of times on the way up. So we're already in this name. We're not buying it up here, but if you're asking me, do I think that's a good investment? Absolutely. Um, work. Mark. So funny you asked that question, Mark, because we, um, in the armor Slack room, you know, all day long, we have a Slack chat set up 
the armor trading desk. We're all armor insiders in there and we're sharing information all day. And I let you guys know what's on my whiteboard, what's at the top of my whiteboard, what stocks I'm going to be adding to the portfolio at the end of the day. And so all day on Friday, we were looking at, we had eyes on Slack because I'm looking to add it back to the portfolio. I like the story. It's found support $30, which is where it should find support. But truth be told, I don't really like the chart pattern. You know, I don't like this gap down here trapped a lot of people. And so you have to spend enough time going sideways to, to take care of that overhead. Then we had a nice breakout that reversed on Monday and it closed lower. So what I'm trying to do is build a portfolio of stocks that are closing higher on Friday, not stocks that are closing lower. So there's a chart of work that I haven't bought back yet. There's a chart of Afria that we were buying, right? It closed higher all week. So my question to you is, is there a shift going on out of some of this disruptive growth into some of these value names? And will it continue? You know, and that's a decision we all have to try to figure out how to balance our portfolio and get right. It's not, a, not an easy call. I will say this. I feel like um, uh, Slack and team work together. And so, you know, we owned Alsatian from, you know, somewhere down in here. I forget exactly what price we paid for it, somewhere in here. And um, we got stopped out of this position last week on Monday. Bang, it closed below our, tra our trailed profit protection stop, which was a 25-day moving average. And when it closed below it, we sold it and booked our profit from somewhere in early April. Okay? And then it closed below the 50-day moving average. So money's rotating a little bit. You know, and so we'd rather focus on names like Sienna, 5G play. It was down on Monday, but look at that, reversing and breaking out a little gap up on Friday. Or um, our old friend Lumentum, right? This stock down on Monday, but look, it closed Friday uh, above, the, above the high of Monday, right? So that's where money is going to the 5G plays, and it's kind of, at the moment, leaving the, the slack type of place. So I don't feel like I need to run out there and grab it just yet. Did your opinion change on Livongo, uh, Ray Ray? No, my opinion has not changed on Livongo. Let's take a look at the chart. Okay, now to be clear, we bought the stock here at 61 and change. We sold some up here. On this reversal day, we booked some profits, okay? So now we have our core position on, we've booked our profit off the top, and we're going to use a trailed stop. Probably the 14-day moving average is what I'm going to use. There's just too much air beneath that for me to give back a lot more. And the 25-day I like to use, but that's 86. And the 14-day is 94. I'm just not going to lose that much money. So if it takes out the 14-day, you know, I'll, I'll sell this. Now, if the stock goes sideways up here and builds a pennant, and the 25-day gets closer to the 14, I might shift, and I'll start using the 25-day. So we're watching it closely. We've taken the excess out of the position and booked some profit, and now we're just on a profit protection watch. If this thing holds up here, builds another pennant, breaks out again, we're going to still own it. And Chegg is the same way in the portfolio. <clears throat> Chegg, we're using the 25-day moving average here because they're closer together, see? 
right? The 14 days at, at 70 and the 25 days at 68. And so in that case, I use the 25 day. Okay. Um, okay, Tech, do you think it's too late to add more PSLV? Oh, come on, man. Don't ask me that. Don't, don't ask me that. It's killing me with that question. Do I think it's too late to add PSLV? You know, we own the stock down here cheap, right? We own it cheap. I mean, the market turned here and we picked up PSLV somewhere right in here. Might have even been the 23rd when we started buying that. So the stock's way up from where we first bought it. Do I think it can go higher? Yeah. Yeah, I think it can go higher. I think this whole complex is about to skyrocket. I like to buy weakness in the midst of strength. So I don't like to pyramid. I don't like to... I don't like to chase stocks. I don't like to pyramid. Do I do it every now and then? If you talk to some of the armor insiders, they'll tell you I was adding to my silver position, <laughs> right? In the slack room this week, we were adding to our silver position, but shh, keep that between us because it's really not the armor investing way. And I normally will not do that. And I wouldn't recommend somebody just start a position. Now you needed to be in that position. You needed to be an armor insider back in March and April. And then you earn the right to take the risk. So if you're already up big and you've earned the right to take the risk and you want to put a little more out, you could, and you use a tight stop. Okay. These bullion banks are cornered animals. We don't know what they're going to do next. There could be a raid on the price, takes it down for a week. So only the paranoid survive in this game. If you add anything more, you have to have a tight stop on that ad. Kenny cashed out AMC. So you're, it's okay. So that's like an economy reopening idea, right? You're thinking own that stock because people are going to start going to movies again. You know, there's the chart. It's just not compelling to me. The value stocks are starting to go up. This should be one of those plays. It's not moving. Not, it's not for me. You know? All right. Um, Michael D. Buffett says to like Nat Gas. Any thoughts on value play? I know you're not in energy yet. Yeah, Mike, um, in all due respect to the Oracle of Omaha, He's been so ridiculously wrong this year just because he's been right most of his life. It, I just don't listen to billionaires. I don't care what billionaires have to say about what stocks to buy. I've never felt that way. I've never cared what they had to say. A billionaire can hold on to an investment for a decade in order for it to pay off because he's got tons of cash. But you and I don't live that way. We might need our cash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, you know... Could buying energy stocks down here be right when we look back a decade from now? Yes, it, it's possible, probably is. But there's so many better places to put money right now, in my opinion, that I'm not touching those names and I'm not touching natural gas. So Ray Ray says, inhalable uh, remdesivir only in phase one. I, I know, but look how fast these phases go during a pandemic. So they got 60 people that are healthy inhaling it right now in the month of, of July. Within 30 days, we'll find out whether or not those people had, had negative results, right? I mean, so hopefully those people 
are okay. So we know the safety profile is okay. And then we start treating people. And I just don't see how, and if, if we get past the safety test, and from what I'm reading, if, if remdesivir works intravenously in people that are deathly ill, you can only imagine what it would do in directly to the lungs, which is what the problem is, before people get ill. I mean, in other words, they get sick, they get tested, and before they have these breathing problems, before they have to run to the hospital, before they need a ventilator, they start inhaling remdesivir. I mean, if that works, you know, forget it. It's a major game changer. So I'm not buying the stock here. I'm not telling you to go do it. I have not added it to Armour portfolios because I can't manage that risk. But personally, taking a little piece of a long dated call option just to have in my portfolio in case that horse comes in, seems like it's worth it to me. Manage your risk. Don't get over your skis. Don't get overexcited. Manage your risk. Okay. And also, what's fun about owning IBB, the biotech index, is that Gilead's one of the top five names. Right? So if that works, that whole sector is going up. Um, RMBL. RMBL. Rumble on. Stock looks great. Don't know it. Can't really help you there. I'll do some work. RMBL. And by the way, guys, I, I, I love where you're, you know, again, uh, let, me, let me say this about Rumble on. Um, micro cap stocks. I don't trade them. I don't invest in them. I don't talk about them on YouTube. I'm never going to pump a stock. It's a micro cap that I own. It's a, it's a question of integrity. Okay. So even if I loved it, I wouldn't talk about it. It's too small. And it would have too much of an impact if I get out there on, you know, YouTube and start telling everybody how great it is. That's just, you can't do that, guys. It's just a question of integrity. I, 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 won't, I, won't, I won't impinge my own. All right. Um, but I wish you the best of luck if you're there and you're making money. I mean, go, you know, well done. Um, what do we think about BOXL? BOXL. Here we are again, another one. Interactive visual imaging technology for schools. Ooh, that's interesting. Interactive visual imaging for schools, universities, businesses. You know, again, I'll have to do a little bit of research there. It's a slightly bigger market cap, which is nice. Hmm. I can't see what the debt number is. Inventory turns are pretty good, eight times. Cash flow negative. I don't know. I got to take a look at that stock. It's certainly an interesting idea, so I'm going to write that one down. B-O-X-L. But it's still just borderline micro cap. So, you know, it's going to be hard for me to really do anything about it. Um, is Microsoft good hold through earnings? God, man, who knows? Who knows? Quail hollow. Let me tell you how we do it at the Armour Report. Okay, the Armour Investing Way. We, let's take a look at the chart. Okay, let's go look at, at um, Microsoft together. I'm going to just share with you briefly what we did. Now, we own the stock down here. Okay, stock has run up. We have a profit in the position. 
what we're going to end up doing is exactly what we did in Netflix, okay? The armor investing way is to manage risk. It doesn't matter what I think about a company or how much I like the company or what I think earnings are going to be. None of that matters when it comes to managing risk in a portfolio. Oh, God, I forgot. I promised to tell you guys the number one way to increase your net worth in the next 12 months. All right. So for those of you who stayed for this, here it is. Maybe you've already heard it because I talked about it yesterday. But I'm going to say it again. The number one way to watch your net worth increase in the next 12 months is to not lose money. It's to manage your risk. It's to change your thinking from a retail investor to a professional money manager where you think about managing risk first and capturing upside second. So we owned Netflix. We were up 26%. Okay? Stock ran up into earnings. We take a certain amount of that profit off the table before the earnings are announced. I don't tell you what percentage. It's up to you. I don't know your portfolio. I don't know how big the position is. Okay? But what you really want to do ideally is have position sizes equal across all of your investments. So your big cap stocks maybe have a 10% position size, your small cap stocks 5% or 5% and two and a half, whatever. I'm just throwing out numbers. Okay. But every big cap position should be the same size when you put the position on. Don't play favorites. You'll find that you always favor the name that fails and you never have enough of the name that goes up. So just stop, get off that hamster wheel. Stop trying to guess which one's going to be the best. Uniform position sizes. Then we, the positions are up into earnings. You take the same percentage off. So if you take 25% off of Netflix, you take 25% off the top on Microsoft before the news. 30%, 50%, whatever's comfortable for you. Do it so that you don't have to worry about what the number is. Okay? You shouldn't feel sick about anything. If you're feeling sick about it, then the position's too big. Book your profit, cut it down so you don't have to care. If the number's good and it keeps going up, great, you keep making money. If the number's not received well and the stock's down 10%, it doesn't ruin your entire day. That's how to manage risk, okay? Please try to do that, guys. All right. Um, greetings from Portugal. How are you, Portugal? What's happening? Any, uh, any uh, opinion on OAS and Hexo? Boy, I haven't looked into Hexo in a long time. Let's see. H-E-X-O. God, it's just such flatline. I mean, the management made such a mess of this company. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't buy the stock. So my opinion remains the same. The, the management of the company made a mess of it. You know, they had a, a relationship, I think it was with Molson Coors. That hasn't panned out at all. Um, I, I just have no interest in Hexo. It, you know, this group is hard enough as it is. So I'm focusing all my attention on the three strongest players. Two of them have tons of cash. I mean, a war chest of cash on their balance sheet. So I think they're going to make it through this downturn. And Afria is the best executor. I mean, these guys are cash flow positive, I think. I'm pretty sure that's right. Last quarter, they were cash flow positive. Don't quote me. Let's take a look. 
cash flow. Cash flow positive right here. I don't know if you can see my right here. Cash flow positive by three cents. Okay. Inventory turns 3.36. All right. So that's why I'm staying in that name. And you can see the chart pattern. You can see the chart pattern is leading all the other stocks. And so that's where I'm focusing. Let's focus on the leaders in a totally beat up sector. All right. And the other question was OAS. Oasis Petro. No, no idea what that is, my friend. You got me there. OAS. Let's take a look. All right. So you're really digging in the weeds here, trying to find some beat up names. Explorers produces oil, natural gas, Williston Basin, North Dakota, Montana. See, those charts just don't work for me. You know, I like to buy weakness in the midst of strength, weakness in the midst of strength, not weakness in the midst of massive weakness. Okay, so it's opportunity cost of money. This name might be good at some point, but think of all the money we can make on other names that are breaking out right now instead of waiting for this thing to, to, to show up. I, you know, that's what my thought is. E-C-O-R. And we're going pretty late here, guys, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, too small, micro cap. All right. Um, <laughs> imagine betting against Microsoft while watching this on your Xbox. <laughs> That's funny, Ruben. Um, you said shorts are in trouble as the... AMC board, why did you say that if you're not into the stock? Kenny cashed out. I'm not sure we're on the same page here. I have, I've never said anything about AMC. The shorts are in trouble about silver, SLV. SLV, PSLV. I, I have no position on AMC. So maybe we're just not communicating there. All right. Um, okay. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. I hope things are getting a lot better in Florida. Who knows? Any thoughts on e e electronic vehicle wave of stocks? Um, not yet, Phil. There's too much excitement over those stocks and not enough substance. So I have them on a list. At some point, I might invest in them, but I'm not chasing those names right now. Okay. Um, uh, a question about uh, Trump and QE um, and the Fed buying. Uh, so, Jasmine, the Fed's not buying because of Trump. Trump's not telling the Fed what to do, even though I know that modern media likes to pretend that, you know, uh, Trump is some, you know, evil demon who's, you know, getting everybody to do everything. It's just not happening that way. The Fed's buying bonds because the market was collapsing, because the economy was imploding because of a pandemic. But the Fed's not going to just stop buying bonds because Trump says stop buying bonds. So I don't, I don't see the connection there at all. But again, we don't know when the Fed's going to stop doing that. So all we have to do is watch LQD, watch HYG, watch the bond market. If the bond market starts to break down, we know there's a problem. If not, then we're in a mechanical bull market. What do you think about Luke and coffee? I have no interest, no interest in Chinese companies. Never have, 
never will. Don't trust the accounting at all. Don't know why anybody wants to invest in Chinese companies when you can invest in great companies right here in the U.S. and you can trust the accounting. And you can talk to the management. And you can listen to conference calls. Forget it. China's a waste of time. Um, would MJ be a good play now to capture the top players, Tech Monkey? I'd rather buy the three top players, honestly, and use MJ as a hedge during the day. So I might be long the three big guys and short MJ on a day trade if I feel I need to protect them. But I don't need all the crap that's inside of MJ. I just need the leaders. My opinion. This is my opinion. Um, any thoughts on VRTX? Thanks. I love VRTX. I wish I owned it. I think we're talking about um, Veritex, right? Veritex Pharmaceutical? Right? No, VXRT. VXRT. Got nothing for you on that one. Um, and I already mentioned Rumble. It's too small of a stock for me. I don't talk about microcaps. What about Occidental? I used to like Occidental. I just don't like anything in the energy sector right now, guys. I'm just not playing energy at all. Not yet. Um, you're new here. Okay. I, Oakland, I have live channels every single Saturday starting at 1130. And then sometimes um, I try to do at least once during the week, maybe on a Wednesday night, I do an education video. So if you subscribe, you can just subscribe to the, to the YouTube channel right here and you'll just get alerts when I'm deciding I'm, you know, I'm going to say something. I, I don't like to just schedule it for no reason. I only come at you on this channel if I have something to say and I think I have information that's valuable that investors can use to make their experience better. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you finding it interesting. I hope you find it helpful. All right, um, Brett, uh, Albert, Brett, do you think the run in silver is going to be short-lived? No, I really don't. I, I, in fact, and let's just wrap up on this question. Um, I'm going to wrap up. This is the last question, guys. Um, let's look at silver again and we're just going to wrap up on this thought. Okay. This is my last, my last comment here on silver. You're asking me if it's going to be short lived. Okay. I don't know the answer to the question. Okay. So let's start there. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. Okay. But how short lived was this breakout back in 2010 at the same price point almost how short lived was it? Was it, it was eight months and silver went from 20 to 50 in eight months. That was in the very beginning of quantitative easing and currency devaluations. Now we're at a point where there's more QE in the world than ever before seen in history. And so I ask you, what do you think will happen to silver? I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for spending your time with me. It always helps order my thinking going into Monday. Armor Insiders, I look forward to seeing you in the Slack room Monday morning for the Monday morning um, video before we start our day. And everybody have a great weekend. Try to forget about all this. Have some fun. I'll see you guys on Monday. Take care. <laughs>